Welcome to the Happy Homeschooler podcast, a digital support group for everyone interested in a learning lifestyle. I'm your host, Holly. I'm your co-host, Melody. Well, today we're going to be running through our Homeschool Survival Guide, Volume 2. But before we get into that, Melody, what's been going on with you lately? Well, um, we've had several interesting things happening in our family and often when there's a lot going on and I need to, like, do something for a break, I crochet. And so lately I, I'm not sure where I came across a new technique. Not, it's not new, but I haven't done mosaic crochet myself. And I found something that looked really interesting and decided to give it a try. And that was really a lot of fun. And so for me, it was like part stress relief. But I always enjoy something that's productive while I'm having some stress relief. So crochet, I've been doing a lot of mosaic crochet. And that's where you've got like a few different colors of yarn. And the way you place your stitches creates a pattern or design. So how um, interesting. I I really wish that I did something like that. Every time I see you post your cute little creations, I, I wish that I had paid more attention when my grandmother was teaching me to do granny squares. Oh, granny squares are great. I got a project coming up for granny squares. I should send it your way. Maybe we could do it together. Oh, I would love <laughs> That'd be that. Fun. That would be fun. I, I would like to pick up some more uh, handy crafts that I can. There's a woman that uh, comes to church and I see her knitting during the sermon. And I think, wow, that's such a quiet thing to do. And she's making all this cool stuff and, and not bothering anybody and keeping her hands busy. And, and I think, oh, I'd like to have something. My grandmother would do her projects while she watched TV or talked to us. Um, but I haven't been doing anything like that. I've actually been scurrying to enjoy the rest of the summer. Um, we have been uh, planning lots of outdoor play dates with our friends because some of our friends are in public school. And one of them... Um, is in a charter school that starts on August, like early August, very early. And so we're planning outdoor movies and swimming and we're going to splash pads and um, kind of just, you know, fitting in the rest of summer as quickly as we can before everybody's not available. Right. Well, it's kind of hard to believe it's already August. <laughs> it really is. I keep right. seeing people posting uh, to me, it's discouraging. Only 29 more paydays until Christmas. And I'm ah! thinking, oh, can I just enjoy the rest of the summer first before I start buying Christmas oh, gifts? Oh, goodness. Yeah, uh, someone said, oh, yeah, it's time to buy um, Halloween decorations oh. and get your turkey and wrap your Christmas presents or something <laughs> like that. Well, no, I want to have my feet dangling in some cool water and um, be outdoors as much as I can be. You know, also, I am trying to take advantage of some, um, you know, cultural things. Like, I just went to see a play with some friends. I had been driving through um, your town, actually, and saw that the little community theater there was uh, putting on a performance of Godspell. So I got on Facebook and I said, hey, this is coming up. Who wants to go? And I rustled up some folks to go with me. So we had such a good time. And I want to concentrate on doing more of that because um, it just really is good for you as a parent and an educator to make sure you take that time to go do something that really feeds you in that in that way. So. So today we're going to be going through our Homeschool Survival Guide, Volume 2. And if you're a new listener, you might be saying, Volume 2, what about Volume 1? Well, Volume 1 we covered last year. And uh, the Homeschool Survival Guide is basically our best tips and tricks for making your homeschool easier on you and your family. 
um, no matter how long you've been homeschooling, one year, two, or ten, um, I'm not going to say how long I've been. It's really a long time. But anyway, whenever you're getting ready for a new school year, the first thing you have to do is plant. And your homeschool changes every year, doesn't it, Melody? Oh, every every year. I remember in the beginning, I thought I'd have this great plan. I'll just kind of continue with whatever I figured out the first year. But lo and behold, the children are in different places developmentally and learning different things. And Overall, some parts are, remain the same, but you've got to be flexible and make adjustments from year to year. So every year you, you're starting fresh with a new plan. That might be discouraging to some people, but actually I love the opportunity to start fresh and see what I can do to change things up and, and become more efficient. Um, I might be the only person that feels that way, though. Uh, <laughs> no, I like planning I, because part of it is usually planning involves pulling out like things that you pl- started with last year and you can see how far your kids have come in a year. Or if you had like somebody might be working on, I don't know, addition facts and that's when you realize, oh, they mastered that or all of that or some of that or we only have a few more things to learn. And so it's kind of exciting to revisit your plan and it's that opportunity it's like okay this worked well let's keep doing that this was a total failure don't do that again you know (laughs) yeah (laughs) just evaluate and keep what worked and tell us what did it true very true I know right now I'm up to my elbows in uh curriculum and books and my planner I've got all these different calendars I've got a calendar hanging in my office. I've got my homeschool calendar. I've got my planner. I've got a calendar in my kitchen. And I'm trying to drag my husband into, you know, uh, the 2021s by getting together an online calendar where I can look at everything. My, My best stab at that right now is to put everything in the calendar on my phone. And um, at least I have everything in front of my face. So it was so nice last week when I was at the dentist and they asked, uh, you know, can you come on this date? And I said, hold up. Let me pull out my calendar. I felt so savvy. Um, Oh, you'd be, yeah, you'd be proud of me. I did the same, something similar when I made a new appointment at the doctor's, just put it in my phone, which I don't usually, I'm still a fan of paper and pencil. And then I still have to transfer it so everybody can see it, but. Um, some of my family is already pretty tech savvy, but some of them are just not going to be. So, <laughs> What would you say is your first step in planning for a new school year so you don't fizzle out before you even get started? What's your idea? What do I do first? Mm-hmm. Um, well, the, the first thing for me was always taking a look at the routine for the day because I need to know where I'm going to slot all the different things that we need to do. And um, it didn't take that long at the beginning, I think, to realize that most of our school days follow a pretty predictable structure, not not by the clock, but just a routine. Like I've got a morning, our morning block, which is when, mm-hmm. like, when at whatever time we get up, breakfast and clean up the rooms before breakfast, do some chores after breakfast. That was just our, our morning block. That's the way we started every day and so then even if it wasn't a school day regular maintenance of the house was getting done things were it was a way for us to like you know keep it together so that we didn't just never get anything done but we so we have a morning block and then a school block and so when i sit down to plan for the school year that's when i would be planning who's doing what what book are they in 
for math. Our morning block was usually the three R's. And so the children were on different levels and they would be doing different math work or different. That was things that were on their you know, ability level at that part of the day. Specific to their developmental and academic Right. And so for some of it, it was like, okay, we didn't quite finish this book last year. Do we start the next book? Were you far enough? Or do we pick up where we left off? But sometimes we just picked up where we left off or where are you? What book are you in? Like you said, piles of curriculum all around, but sit down and figure out what's going to happen in that school chunk of time. Mm-hmm. And then we always have a lunch block, which is when we, you know, clean up the morning, the school's tough, and then prepare lunch and uh, have lunch and then there was always a little bit of cleanup and then our read aloud and fold laundry time and then we had an afternoon block and then you know an evening right. block with a bedtime block which was bath and books and bed but for me planning always started with revisiting what is the what is the routine of the day and the sure. I really liked having those little blocks of time because if you know in my circle there are people who start their day at 5 a.m and people who start their day at like 11 or 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. at least, but if we have blocks of time in a, a flow where the day flows from one thing to the other, it doesn't matter what time you wake up, you can just right. get started. And so it was a way to remove any kind of stress of, oh, I'm running late or I'm behind. It's sure. like, no, you just get going and then you move through your blocks. And if you have a time in mind and you like you want to eat dinner at six o'clock or something you kind of just shorten up those blocks that day and move mm-hmm. yourself get back on track and and go but and that removed a lot of stress for me just to know that the day had a had a structure had a flow and um, the kids knew what to expect you know after breakfast we do school right. it was just a way to make that easier for me right and and you know um I think a lot of people have learned that block scheduling is really the way to go. Um, for me, since I am self-employed and I work from home, you know, my blocks look a little different, but I also use block scheduling. And I've I've seen some people talking online about, well, what if we don't get up at eight o'clock? Well, your your school is your school. Your home is your home. So, you know, make sure that you're not trying to do something that you read about somebody else doing. And, and then trying to force some structure on your family that doesn't work because you're going to burn out if you're doing things like that. Um, and, you know, you want to have enough energy to get through your whole school year and to get through every day. It's not mm-hmm. going to do anybody any favors if you are stressed out, you know, you're in the first week of school and already you're so overwhelmed, you feel like you're going to shut down. So, um Having your kids know what to do, you mentioned, that's super important. And we'll probably talk about that a little bit more, but making sure that everybody understands what's going on is key to getting it done. You know, when I was raising my other, my first five kids, they had chores to do while I was making breakfast. And so they they knew that after a while they were trained and they knew what their chores were and they were off doing their chores. We didn't have to keep going over the same ground every day. And so you become more efficient when you have a good routine in place. Kind of back to that thing we talked about uh, in reviewing Kendra Adachi's book, you know, we decided once how we're going to handle some things and then we just did them. It becomes automatic. So, you know, you're going to make a routine and then you want to write a schedule or put anything that's going to be going on on a schedule. Because I don't know about 
everybody else listening, but I can forget things in the midst of such excitement of, oh, you know, let's go to the park and hang out with our friends. Oh, wait a minute, but we had a dentist appointment. <laughs> yes. So I have to check my my calendar every day and see what's going on before I can decide if we have um, time to go do something else. So, you know, get your routine going, um, try the block scheduling method. I think it's it's the least stressful schedule that you can build and then mm-hmm. get it all written down um, in some format where you will see it or be able to access it. Um, because, you know, we'd like to say yes to everything, but we would. And even like across the week, I know that there are some days we are not going to schedule appointments or or things some days are errand days and some days are like no this is a day where we are working at home and even just having those kind of little things there helps you not over schedule yourself right yeah you've got to streamline because no person can do everything and you've got to say no to some things so that the things you say yes to you can really do well it doesn't do any good to do things, a bunch of things halfway. It's not enjoyable and it doesn't build proficiency or satisfaction. That's true. I'm glad you said that because um, we do want to say yes to all the things. And when you start uh, seeing what's available in your community, there are just so many good things that you want to make use of, but there's not enough time to do all of those. So then you can evaluate those things, say yes to the things that are the best for you. Because mm-hmm. there's time. Usually those things will be there when then you can cycle back around and, and do them later. That's definitely true. Okay, so that was planning. And now we're going to delve into teaching and ways to make teaching easier for you and for your students. So, Melody, what are what are some of the key things you would advise people to do to help their homeschool survival uh, as far as teaching goes? As far as teaching. Uh, well, one thing that I always did was look at the things that my, so I had, I have seven children. And so there would be five or six kiddos that were needing to be doing their work at the same time. I would look at the each one's um, list of things they needed to do and figure out what they could do on their own and what they needed me for. And then like map it out on a, on a bulletin board or with post-it notes or whatever, so that everybody could be, busy at the same time. I didn't want anybody not knowing what they were supposed to do. So I'm moving my little post-its around. I'm sure people could do this um, digitally now much more quickly and find a routine in the school morning where, you know, my phonics person needs me one-on-one, but the other ones could be starting their journal or starting uh, something else that they're doing. Map that all out. And then each child would have a checklist kind of in the order of things that they're supposed to do so they didn't have to wait on me to get started. So basically build some independence so that they can be self-starters. They know what to do with this section of the day and they don't have to wait on you or stop. Like if you've got a potty training toddler, the whole thing doesn't have to stop while you go take care of that. They can go ahead and do the next thing. And my kids knew to do as much as they could um, if they had to wait on me. And then they did learn how to say, what else can I do or what should I do now if they could see that I wasn't ready for them? So building independence in your learners is a really good idea. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, and even if you are only homeschooling one child like I am, um, this year my son is now a good reader. 
And so I will be able to give him some things that he can do on his own. If, for example, I need to take a phone call from a client, which does happen, um, Mm -hmm. then I won't lose him to Legos in his room or, I don't know, something that he might be doing. He'll know what to do next. So that is a, a really helpful tactic to have is set those expectations and give your children the opportunity to become more independent by, you know, maybe you have their things in a stack for them and you say, okay, this is the thing you're going to do. You're going to practice your penmanship or you're going to work on this grammar worksheet because you've already, you know, done the previous day's concept. But setting things out and making it so that the kids know what they can do and then you're not losing um, educational time because they don't know what to do or you had something that came up that you had to handle. Another thing that we can do is teach as many children as possible together, like on one subject. When we were schooling, we would all study the same history time period, or we would all be studying the same science unit. And so that was another way to streamline the school day. We all have, you know, one stack of library books and materials would work for everybody. And um, it was just a way to keep me from having to plan, you know, six different science lessons because we're all studying the same thing. And um, did you do anything like that with your older kids? Um, yes, I did. Um, and a, a, it's like a broken record, but everybody knows I do Charlotte Mason. And um, we would do things like um, we would study the same artist or listen to the same piece of music by the same composer or we would uh, we studied the Bible, so we would study our Bible together. Anything that I could do that we could all do as one group and then, you know, separate out, maybe give the older kids something a little more meaty to to work on. You know, when you're when we're introducing a composer, little kids would just listen to it. But maybe the older kids would have to learn about that composer and, you know, maybe write something about them. Uh, but it, yeah, whatever you can do to streamline what you're doing as far as teaching, it's wonderful. And even if you have, your kids are on different levels, say for science, maybe your older child has some experiments to do. They can perform the experiments and the younger children can watch. That keeps the younger children from getting into trouble. Now, again, I have an only child. What I find is that we have a lot of different subjects, but um, because I'm only dealing with one child, it doesn't take as long. Whatever makes your life easier is is the tactic you want to approach. <laughs> right. Just look at all the things you're trying to fit into your day. Sometimes you will decide not to do some things. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you'll realize that this activity can function as two subjects. Like um, if they're writing a science lab write-up, you can talk about some grammar when you're talking about that. Complete sentences, capital letters, you know, all that kind of thing. And so sometimes you're like, oh, I can incorporate this English lesson in our history report that they're writing. Or if they're reading books, you know, let them read something about the time period you're studying. Because we basically did that same thing with our unit studies that you did with your Charlotte Mason. We pulled as much as we could out of every activity so that it was multipurpose and uh, worked well for everybody. Oh, yeah, I love double dipping. It's just such a smart use of your time. Um, One of the things that we do, since we do study a composer every 12 weeks, is that when we're um, getting up in the morning and we're having breakfast and doing our little morning chores, we play that composer's work. And so um, it's a lovely way to start the day listening to some really nice classical music. 
And then, you know, we don't have to sit down and just like do nothing while that's playing. We also, um, I'll display our um, artist prints and we'll go and take a look at it when we're doing calendar. Oh, here's the artist mm-hmm. we're studying. And, you know, try to weave things together in more of a natural way. You know, part of uh, what I like about homeschooling is it's not like ring a bell, sit down at the desk, you know, um, raise your hand kind of a it's it's a lifestyle of learning. So I would like my children and I wanted my children to appreciate different kinds of music. So we played it as, hey, it's nice to listen to music while you work kind of a thing, you know, or oh, that's a wonderful way to do it. Yeah. And, and not so it's, it's so that they have thought of it as just a segmented school subject. Oh, I had to study this and now I'm done. I don't ever have to look at that again. <laughs> I want them to learn to appreciate it. And that's one of the things um, we go to see this symphony play um, that is local to our area because appreciating that kind of music is part of what I want to cultivate in our lives, not just mm-hmm. because it's a something I have to check off on my checklist of school topics. Right. It's something that's part of your life as an adult, and you're introducing it to your children when they're young. And we used to play music. We had some long car drives every week, and so we would play music then while we were stuck in the car, basically. And that was when we decided at some point we wanted to learn like all the stanzas of some of the older hymns. And we practiced those and sang those songs all the way home. And uh, my kids still remember big chunks of those, which is kind of fun to know. Yeah, yeah. And again, it's part of your lifestyle. Another way to make your teaching easier is to use technology. I um we have a lot of books that we read, a lot of literature, and sometimes I just don't have the time to read aloud or again, I something comes up in my work and I have to handle something and it was the time that I was going to be reading something aloud like our Rudyard Kipling just so stories and I have found some online resources for audiobooks that have helped me to still cover that without me actually doing it. So I'll put on um, storynori.com or LibriVox, and my son can listen, um, be in the same room with me where I'm doing my work. I can listen too. So then we Mm -hmm. can discuss what was read to us when I'm done with that time-sensitive work task that I couldn't avoid. And there are lots of ways to use technology to make your teaching easier. So you, you don't have to be the only teacher for your kids. Even if you are the only person in your home that's the home educator, you can use other resources to get that information to your kids if you've got other things going on. Have you done things like that? Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, not with my own children because they're all adults now and we didn't have access to the technology like we do now. But for me, I'm starting to make use of some of the online uh, platforms for planning, like Google Classroom for my students, or even to use Zoom calls for tutoring and things like that. So yes, to a small degree, but I'm really loving watching some of these friends of mine with young families, all the different ways that they incorporate technology. They're they grew up with it, and so they know all the all the little secrets for sharing mm-hmm. a document on a Google document, and then two or three people are editing something together. And so my daughter's teaching me things that I I love learning new things. And so I was like, how do I do this? Or do you know a trick for this? Or how can I make this easier? And um, it's really exciting to find new ways to make those jobs easier. 
It is. I just had um, a new computer built. My middle son um, is a computer guy. And I said, hey, I need a computer that I can use for school for your little brother. And so we just got the computer built and we're going to be uh, he's going to learn typing, my little one, because he's interested in uh, doing things online and he's been hunting and pecking. Mm-hmm. So I said, oh, well, you know what? You're going to learn typing and uh, typing.com has lessons. And I want him to learn piano, but I really don't have a, a full size piano that you a lot of uh, people who teach lessons require. But I somebody recommended a site online for piano. I uh, can't remember that that um, place right now, but we'll put it in the show notes. And then um, I'm going to put the artist prints that we're studying as the backdrop on the computer, and it'll like change. Oh, so, I love that. Yeah. So I'm trying to I'm trying to use this computer to really give like nice meaty things for him to study and enjoy, as well as he's going to play Roblox and Minecraft on it. Right. Um, but mainly it's going to be, uh, I'm going to try to use it to make our homeschooling life easier and, and, uh, fill in some of those gaps that I can't do as easily if I'm busy. So anyway, mm-hmm. um, yeah, teaching doesn't mean that you have to just become a workhorse and slog through everything. And by the end of the day, you have nothing left. So you want to do as much as you can to make your teaching life easier. I like that. Another thing we want to remember is that we are teaching our children how to learn. Like they learn information, but they also learn how to learn. So making that computer part of his school is giving him skills that he needs. Like he can learn how to how to use it. And, and I know mm-hmm. down the line, you'll teach him how to search for things and how to find information safely. But it's a tool and it's a good like a, an assistant for you to get your teaching done. Exactly. We're going to take a short break to hear a word from our sponsor. And when we return, we're going to wrap up volume two of the Homeschool Survival Guide by discussing how to handle extracurriculars. The Happy Homeschooler podcast wouldn't be possible without Transcript Maker, an online service that allows you to create a professional high school transcript from the comfort of your own home. Oh my goodness, and Transcript Maker saved my bacon. My middle son recently decided to go back to school. He's going to go to college, and he came and said, do you have my transcript? And I laughed about that because, of course I (laughs) do. Do you ever? (laughs) Yeah, of course I do because I use Transcript Maker, and Transcript Maker keeps your transcripts on their site for you to go in and access. Even when you don't have an active subscription, you just log in, and you click on print and you're able to download and print the transcript. And so, so handy. It was right there for me. I think that's an incredible service. You never know when you'll need it again in the future. And Transcript Maker offers a 14-day free trial so you can give it a test drive and see how you like it for yourself. Yes, and when you're ready to subscribe, we have an exclusive code for you that will give you 20% off. It's HAPPY, H-A-P-P-Y in all caps. Transcript Maker, simply better transcripts. Welcome back to the podcast. In the first half, we talked about planning and we talked about teaching and how to survive both of those. And now we're going to discuss uh, extracurriculars and how not to let them overwhelm you. Well, there are so many extracurriculars out there. It's really easy to want to do all the things and then find that you don't have any time to be home schooling. (laughs) So what (laughs) advice do you have for uh, people? 
Well, um, the first thing I would say is that the younger the child, the less extracurriculars you should schedule. I, oh, had I agree. Friend, yeah, I had a friend who had a six-year-old and he was doing uh, soccer and he was doing music lessons and he was doing something else. And his mom said, oh, he was crying on the way to soccer or he fell asleep on the way to soccer. And both of those things I said to her, you know, soccer is really fun, but if it's impacting your child negatively, you might want to remove soccer or remove something else. Mm -hmm. The more you do, the less little kids can handle it. And I, I always like to save a lot of extracurriculars from when my kids were older. Right. I was, we, we did not do a lot of extracurriculars during some seasons. It kind of, from year to year, it varied. But then we had some children for whom, like, there was the perfect extracurricular activity that was right in line with the thing that was really important to them. And so we learned to focus on what's important to the family, you know, what fits in to our goals and then what's important for that child. And so some of my children weren't interested in extracurriculars, but some of them, like I have a son who's really gifted in music. And so piano lessons for him were really important and it's part of who he is. So we found a way to make time for that. And not everybody did something every year. And uh, you just find a way to make it work. Right. And there, in our family, we found several um, principles that we use that worked well for us. Um, one of the things was that since I had five kids and one car and a husband who was away at work um, for many hours of the day, we found something that everyone could do together or that good bunch of the kids could do together. So when my oldest son was, I think, in kinder and first grade, and uh, even through most of elementary school, he was into Boy Scouts or Cub Scouts. And his little brother also did Cub Scouts. So it was nice. We could go to a meeting once a week. And the, the two boys, I only had the two boys at the time, they could do their activity together. Another activity that um, most of the kids did at one time or another but the girls were more into was 4-H. And that was really lovely because 4-H, um, a lot of people think it's just animals, but 4-H actually covers all kinds of oh. subject matter and all kinds of activities. Lots of activities. And mm -hmm. that's such a good way for them to all go to the meeting, but be pursuing different um, projects. Exactly. Yeah, it was, and it was a great fit for our homeschooling because of some of the things that the kids were doing. Um, when they did food projects, I could tie that into health and nutrition. Mm -hmm. When they did, um, the girls did um, the clothing project. And so we could use that as consumer education. And, um, oh, you know, when you're trying to teach your kids to take care of their clothing, things like that, uh, it kind of fit that bill. And then I had kids that uh, like to be competitive so they could compete. But yeah, I, li I liked to find things that the whole family could do as much as possible. Or um, the other thing was that we limited how many extracurriculars. So perhaps uh, one per child or two per child based on their age so that we weren't just constantly out of the house. I had a friend whose kids all did um, baseball and softball. And she told me that um, it was really hard to be at a lot of different ball fields and that one year they were so busy, um, they were buying like fast food. And so she had the kids clean out the car because so much junk had piled up in it. And she accidentally threw away a purchase of something she she wanted 
because they were so busy (laughs) and there was so much going on. So, you know, you you just kind of have to figure out how much activity your family can absorb. And like you said earlier, what's important? Um, If you have a child who's really gifted in a certain area, um, you might have to realize you're going to have to make some kind of uh, provision for that. Perhaps they dance. I have friends whose girls all dance. So, you know, at Christmas time, they're in the Nutcracker, and that's just part of their lives, and they have to figure out how that fits. But, yeah, definitely you don't want to let extracurriculars take away uh, your academic time because your kids have to learn to read and write and do their math. Um, You don't want to prevent your kids from doing something if it's going to be something that's going to be a significant part of their lives, like your son with his music. So it, it does take a little bit of tweaking, but um, extracurriculars are wonderful and they do add a lot. And many extracurriculars end up to be a lifelong passion. So they're, they're very important. They are important. And as long as you remember, they are extra. Like once you get your routine and your important, you know, educational goals figured out where that's going to fit in your day, then you add those extras. And as time goes along, I think like if in the beginning, the first year, you might not want to be doing a lot of extracurriculars except for maybe a park day or or co-op. But as time goes along and you get the rhythm of your homeschooling routine under your belt, it's a little easier to add a couple more extracurriculars in there. That's true. And I always like to advise people um, in their first few years of homeschooling, focus on some low commitment things so that if you don't show up, you're not impacting other people. Um, I find a lot of times new homeschoolers, they get so excited about a co-op and about this activity and that activity, and then they're very stressed out because they may they may have, maybe their oldest child is in kinder or first or second, they have maybe a little one. Now all of a sudden, the baby can't get their nap because they're supposed to be somewhere. Mm-hmm. And so you really have to look at the overall picture of how those extracurricular activities are going to affect not just the child who will be participating, but how will it affect you and the other members of the family? And sometimes you have to say no for a time to um, a good thing so you can say yes to it in the future when it's not going to impact people negatively. That's so important to know. And it is one of the things that I love about our community's uh, co-op. It's like families Every now and then someone needs to take a semester off or a year off and then they can come back and forth because everybody knows, like you said, some seasons of life, especially if you just had a new baby, you just need to stay home a little bit more. And so I love how flexible that co-op is with people being able to come in and out by semesters. But once you commit for the semester, like you mentioned, people are depending on you. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if you're teaching a class, you want to remember that's another plan and materials you need to gather and you've got to know what you're doing. And you really want to consider if you can add that into what you're already doing, because I mean, homeschooling families are, are busy with right education and then all the other things that you're doing on top sure. of homeschooling. And then another point I wanted to make is that, um, you know, a lot of people are concerned right now because we've got the Delta variant swirling around. So they might not want to participate in in-person things. And you can fulfill extracurriculars with online options um, such as OutSchool 
or um, you can use videos or other types of avenues to fulfill some extracurriculars. Take uh, foreign languages online instead of having to go to a place. So there are options to fulfill extracurriculars without leaving your house. Again, back to what we said earlier about using technology as an assistant for mm -hmm. your school. Here at the end of today's podcast, we have a big question. Melody, what's our big question? Well, all over social media right now, people are wondering what to do with their seniors. Some of them don't want to go back. They have concerns. Some of them were home last year. They want to continue, but they're just not sure what their options are and what's the best thing for them to do. That's true. I have seen a lot of people talking about that. People who started homeschooling last year and figured they were going to send their kids back to school um, now don't want to or the kids don't want to go back because they really enjoyed the freedom of studying at home. Um, sometimes, you know, a GED might be a good option. I think so. And I have uh, suggested to people before to do both the GED and their high school transcripts. Like you, you don't have to do one or the other. You can do your own high school diploma and you've got your transcript to back it up. But it doesn't hurt to go ahead and, and do the GED program. I know that years and years ago, People kind of look sideways at a GED, but that is not really the case anymore. That's true. And actually, I have been seeing that if your child is planning to go into the military, some of the recruiters want the kid to take the GED. I'm thinking it might be because there just seem to be like a, a level field with the GED. It's kind of more standard as a test and they can, go, you know, trust those results, I guess. Right. They understand how to interpret that. They understand how to interpret it. Exactly. Right. Um, what other options? I was thinking about dual enrollment. If someone wanted to uh, explore taking college courses as a senior and get a little bit of a head start in college. Yeah. Dual enrollment option. is a great option. Uh, it fulfills the high school credits that still need to be um, taken. And it also gives the student college credit to get started if they're college bound. I think that's one of those two-for-one deals we talked about earlier. Yep, that, that is. Uh, my youngest daughter did some dual enrollment, and it was very helpful because uh, she was at a point where she was ready to be out from under me being her main instructor. And some of the things she wanted to study, I wasn't really prepared to teach. And she wanted, was kind of outgrowing the whole um, homeschool enrichment academy. So it was a really great fit for her. And it gave her a taste of what to expect when she went to college, you know, full time after she graduated. I think that's one of the best things about dual enrollment. Uh, when my daughter took some classes, she realized she did have good study skills and she did know how to uh, participate in class. And she did like having someone else evaluate her work. And it was nice to see that the teacher was get she was earning the same grades from someone else that she was from me. And so then she knew she wasn't just, you know, wasn't just mom saying, oh, very good, honey. <laughs> she actually was doing a quality work. Right. Yeah. And another option is to look at what your child has done and see if they have completed all the coursework that they need to to graduate. You can also graduate your child early. You don't have to wait until they're 17 or 18 if they've gotten the work done and they're ready to go on for a job. You can graduate them. So there are many different options for your senior. Melody, do you have any other tips you want to share about what to do with a senior? Well, I know a lot of people, some people, who maybe did online 
schooling through their district or something like that last year and didn't love the way that was uh, structured might not be aware that there are some really excellent tools and resources that people have been developing for online homeschooling. And we've mentioned Khan Academy before, but there are other uh, curriculum producers like you can do online schooling in a little bit different way as a homeschooler. And that might be a good way to finish up a school career as a senior if you wanted an online platform that was not um, not connected with your public school system, but something that was more of a standalone curriculum provided by a homeschool company. Yeah, good point, because a lot of parents whose child did virtual public school online last year probably don't feel prepared to take on all the roles of a senior high school counselor and teacher this year. Right, and some of those senior topics can be a little bit challenging. So it's kind of nice if you can just let someone else teach that. So online classes, there are more than one kind. You might want to look and see what else you might want to do. And you don't have to do everything that way. It may just be that you want your, you know, maybe your government or your history or economics or something like that that you wanted to take online. But that would be a good way for for those kids to get that that learning. Yeah. Good point. And as always, be sure to check your local Facebook groups for advice and resources because they will they will know. Oh, they and know. They, yes. Yeah, they they will know and they that's a good way to make your life easier. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. If you have any big questions or comments for us, please email us at happyhomeschoolpod at gmail.com. Like our page and join our group on Facebook at facebook.com slash happyhomeschoolpod. Check out our Instagram at instagram.com slash happyhomeschoolpod. Follow us on Twitter at underscore homeschoolpod. And subscribe to the Happy Homeschooler podcast on YouTube. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Holly. I'm Melody. Happy Happy homeschooling. homeschooling. Hi, this is your host, Holly Williams-Zerbaum. Thank you for listening to the Happy Homeschooler podcast, a Transcript Maker production. My co-host is Melody Gillum. This episode was produced by Matthew Bass and edited by Nora Williams. Our graphic design is by Pete Soloway, and our music is by The Great Pangolin. You can find her music on YouTube and Twitter at Kylie Wins. That's K-A-I-L-E-Y Wins. If you'd like to help our podcast grow, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Or as always, tell people about us. We're moving towards, and I'm trying to drag my husband to it. Oh my God, what was that? I'm sorry, that was my phone. (laughs) I forgot. (laughs) That is my tutoring, time to leave for tutoring, but I'm not doing that right now. I did not know that was still active. Oh my word. Sorry, Holly, you were on such a good roll. It scared me to death. Oh. <laughs>